Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talking About podcast. It's a special post-game edition following the Sixers' 98-96 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Sixers and Hawks are both now 12-11 and 11 on the season. Uh, it was defense that got it done for the Sixers on this Friday night. They held Atlanta to nine points in the fourth quarter, and that was ultimately the difference in the, the, their ability to climb back into the game and get the lead and then uh, finish off for the victory. So joining me to discuss that, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, situation in Portland afterwards, is Adio Royster of Liberty Ballers, also a host on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network with his Out of Sight podcast. Adio, thanks for joining me. How are you? If I sound a little lethargic right now, it's because that I got my booster shot earlier today. But... <laughs> With that Sixers win, that was a different kind of shot in the arm that I needed because, <laughs> holy God, I had so much energy in that fourth quarter. I don't know where the hell it came from. Well, a lot of it, I think, came from Joel Embiid, who... Oh, my God. He had, uh, you know, not, not one of the all-time great Joel performances, but considering he'd been struggling quite a bit the last couple games, uh, just a really, really solid Joel effort. Great defensive work, a couple blocks of steal, but uh, just his work offensively when there were long stretches where his teammates weren't really doing much of anything. Seth Curry had a nice night with 18 points, but outside of Seth and Joel, not a lot working for the Sixers offensively. Joel was facing routinely at least double teams, occasionally three guys around him. He was scoring at times he was getting to the foul line and he was also making some really good reads. He had hit Danny green in the corner with a cross court pass for a three in the fourth quarter. He also found shake with a, with a shot that went halfway down uh, looked like I should have went, but uh, hit the, what turned out to be the eventual game winner with inside the final minute, just the Joel we've known to come in that we've known to come to love over the last uh, few years that he's blossomed into the superstar he is. Uh, did this remind you of just the old Joel, Adeo? So it reminded me a little bit of old Joel and kind of new Joel, if that makes sense. Like old Joel kind of taking control of a fourth quarter and just saying, hey, everybody get on my back. I know that sounds cliche as hell, but whatever. Everybody get on my back and we'll just, let's just get out of Atlanta get out of here, go to Magic City, get some wings, and then we'll just call it a night. You know, I, you know Lou will be there. You know Lou will be there. <laughs> um, one thing that it has to be said, Joel's passing out of the double teams has looked moderately better this season. And you saw that definitely in the fourth quarter tonight, like you said, with finding uh, Danny Green in the corner and then finding that shake roll that you know just count that as two if it's halfway if it's 75 percent down which it was wasn't halfway Sean. that was 75 percent of the way down okay yeah that should be two points um or at least you know multiply two by one multiply two by 0. 0.75 and then just give us that many <laughs> especially I, I yeah especially on that play joel looked like he had the little four foot baby hook just like sitting there for him and yeah it's like and, and oh look how unselfish he's being he's hitting a wide open shake milton and then shake you know looked good it was very much in rhythm and yeah as you said three quarters of the way down just definitely should have went in uh but we'll, we'll I, take it anyway 
didn't, didn't matter wanted, in the end. I wanted shake. I wanted shake. I wanted that to go down. I wanted shake <laughs> to have a little positivity tonight. I really did. Yeah, not 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 the best shake game. He had a couple of nice moments, but two for eight on the whole, and a uh, a team worst and game worst minus thir- uh, minus fifteen in the plus minus column. So Ooh. yeah, not not the best shake effort, uh, but the team still got it done. Yep. Trey Young didn't didn't get 30 again. He'd had a nice little streak of 30 and 10 coming into this game. Still had 10 assists, 25 points. What did you think about the job the Sixers defense did against Trey tonight? I, I think they did really well against Trey Young. And that's saying a lot given the fact that you're asking Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibault to guard this guy at at all times. I'm sorry. Doc, I'm talking to you right specifically right now. Do not put Danny Green on Trey Young ever again. Just stop it. Just don't do it. Let Maxi do it. Let him get his lumps. Let Thibault take his fouls. Just no more Danny Green. And in the fourth quarter, they held the Hawks to nine points. And you can kind of see how, like, Sixers are getting close. It's a two-point game. It's a one-point game. Oh, it's tied up. It's like, okay. Uh, where's that Trey Young 35-footer that's just going to kill all of us? I was just sitting there waiting for it, and it didn't happen, and I'm glad it didn't because, you know what, it just means that the, the Sixers really clamped down on defense in the second half, and that, it was really good because after that second quarter, I, I, like you, probably wasn't feeling all that great after the Sixers shot 60% from the field in the first quarter. That run that the Hawks had was like 25 to 7 or something like that. Like, I'll be perfectly honest. I was kind of tuning in and out. Like, I was watching uh, WWE SmackDown in between commercial breaks. But I had, like, my phone on, like, a timer for, like, 20, 30 seconds so I can get back into the game. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad glad you uh, were able to jump back in. <laughs> the second quarter was definitely the time to tune out, though, because you're right. That was a, a brutal quarter to watch. Sixers were outscored 30 to 13 in that quarter. Just the half court offense. It was the old uh, clogged toilet offense. Uh, back to that one from, from people who remember that from the the Doug Collins days. And yeah, and, Seth and Curry. I couldn't even I couldn't even get happy about Andre Drummond minutes like I always do because just none of it looked great in the second quarter. Like I I couldn't get him even get hyped up for Drummond on the floor. You hear what I'm saying, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't I don't even think it was like Drummond looked. He had a a minus thirteen, but he looked to be playing pretty well. He had a few boards. He had a nice tip in of a missed shot. Uh, had a couple steals. Like he was he was playing his usual energy. Uh, energy positive game. Um, he had one bad pass where Seth Curry wasn't looking at all on a cut, and Andre threw his like no look thousand mile an hour fastball and yeah. ended up in the third <laughs> row. Uh, but you know, on the whole, I think he 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 did you know pretty well. I don't I don't think this was a a negative Andre Drummond performance. Uh, but yeah, you're right. the The second quarter wasn't. It was hard to take anything positive away from that and. Luckily, in the first quarter, it was the Seth Curry show. He had 11 points on five of five shooting in the opening quarter, just getting his spots, knocking him down, just one of the best shooters in the game. And it's it's amazing that this guy that the Sixers got for 
Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson. <laughs> this, on this amazing contract, he's he's really evolved into this guy that scores 18 to 20 points every night on an efficient shooting line, and we don't even blink an eye. Just re- really a uh, kind of an unsung hero. And I, I know he gets plenty of accolades, but maybe just not enough for the, the consistency that he's really brought to the table for the Sixers this season. I think Seth Curry and I always on my podcast, I always say Steph when I mean Seth. So I'm just going to stop myself right now and just saying uh, our Curry. I'll just say that from here on out. The best Curry. Uh, the best Curry. Um, it's amazing that we have him on the deal that we have him on. And I think that he is going to be in line for a substantial uh bag gathering when he hits free agency again and it's gonna suck because he's been like you said a bright spot for this team since he put on the red white and blue and just the perfect tag team partner for Joel Embiid between his spacing ability his ability with the dribble handoffs and the pick and rolls it just opens up the offense so much that we haven't seen like I've said before probably since JJ Redick was here yeah, and he has really taken his game to the next level this season with just being much more aggressive. We see a lot more pull-up threes this year from Seth. Uh, he's really utilized a bit more of his driving game. He had, he had a gorgeous one where he uh, the defender flew out to him at the three-point line tonight, and he kind of dipped under them and oh, then uh, avoid, avoided the block with this uh, like off-footed scoop shot around the rim. And he just did it kind of going full speed. It was really pretty. Um, and he had another nice drive later in the game. Just really well-rounded game for Seth Nell. He, uh, he, hits, he hits the threes. He's aggressive with the pull-ups now that you like to see. His, his mid-range game is still one of the best, uh, most dangerous mid-range games in the league. And he has this driving game that he continues to go to, too. Just a top-notch kind of three-level scorer. Career uh, high in points so far. Yeah, point his points for games is at a career high. Just uh, yeah, show, showing everyone that he he's a bona fide lock it in starter in this league. He he, you know, and back in Dallas, they they liked him there, but they were like, oh, he could be a bench guy. Occasionally, he was getting some spot starts. Just no, this is this is a starting shooting guard in the league, and for a guy that you know. Yeah, he had the pedigree he did, and he went to Duke, and his brother is who he is, but he was a G League guy. and G and, League, undrafted. Yeah, just... Hasn't really had a home until, I guess, now? I don't know if you want to call Dallas a home, really. Well, yeah, I think, especially the fans, they did appreciate everything Seth brought to the table, and they liked they liked Seth there, the, the organization, but they didn't like him enough to not trade him, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, Because we'll see. when you can acquire Josh Richardson, <laughs> you just have to do it. <laughs> It's a, it's a shame. I do I do like Josh. But I like Josh. His so his, I, I his fit Josh and whatever else in Philadelphia just did not work out. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't hope it works out in Boston for obvious reasons. But I hope I hope down the road that Josh does find a home because I do think he's he is a good basketball player. But um, yeah, other contributors tonight like Corkmoss had been out of the rotation a little bit. He only saw six minutes in an earlier game this week. Uh, he, he played 17 minutes this week, looked really good. Nine points, four or six shooting. I think that was kind of a trickle down effect of Tobias not being available tonight. Uh, Tobias had a non COVID illness and George Niang started in place of him. 
So Doc Rivers decided to go small. We saw a lot of like Thibault at the four and then Korkmaz saw those, those wing minutes that were kind of vacated. Um, and I, I thought Furkan was, uh, he was really good tonight. I thought. Now I have a question since you brought him up um, with, with Thibault. Is it time to be a little bit concerned about him, or was it the fact that he just didn't really look tonight because he was kind of play, kind of playing out of position at the four? Like he's been really struggling the last two games or so. Oh, I, I've been concerned, and I think it's warranted. The, okay. the The offensive development hasn't been there. We we were kind of hoping he had a really good summer over overseas with the Australian national team. And he shot the ball pretty well, and he was making some good playmaking stuff, even in some limited. There were flashes of it. It wasn't all the yeah. time, but there were flashes of it. He was, you know, doing the the off ball cuts that he he has shown pretty consistently since he's been with the Sixers. But we we haven't seen that as much. His three point shooting looks to have regressed a little bit, and there there has been no furthering of his you know on ball stuff as as an offensive player like we, right. we've seen absolutely zero of that this year so it's pretty much the occasional off ball cut and he shoots spot up threes at a below average level and we saw it against boston earlier in the week where they were just doubling Embiid off of thibel like whoever was covering thibel was he was the guy that was you know digging down on Embiid and trying to yep. disrupt everything that was going on in the paint and Thibel wasn't able to make them pay. He was, you know, missing open shots. He was not moving off the ball in an effective manner to create offense for himself or others. So, yeah, it's it's hard to, even as good as he is on the defensive end, it, it's hard to have this this kind of uh, defense or offensive liability where, unless he's at least hitting league average on these wide open threes if he's below average on those and his guy is leaving him alone because he doesn't value him as a shooter and he's, he's disrupting everything else that guys are trying to do and making Joel Embiid's life harder and Tobias Harris's life harder and everything else. That's that's, yeah. You got to be concerned about that. I would think. It's just, I like you was really hoping for that quote unquote Olympic bump. I, I really believe it's a thing because we've seen it happen in the past before. And I was really looking forward to, you know, a sixer being a possibility for getting the Olympic bump. I was looking forward to it. It just hasn't happened yet. So yeah, I'm like you, I'm very concerned right now. Yeah, I just, but I just hope... don't know. I just don't know <laughs> who I just can't really put my finger on like who takes over his minutes. Like, I don't think you put Isaiah Joe out there, but you know. Yeah. I mean, you still, cause it's, you still need what Thibel brings on the defensive end. That's the, exactly. that's the unfortunate reality with Ben Simmons no <laughs> longer being for all intents and purposes, a member of this team. Like he's now Thibel is the best perimeter defender on the team and you need him like Danny green is good in a certain role, but he's not going to be the lead defender on a smaller ball handler, as you so eloquently stated earlier, that <laughs> he can't he can't possibly do that. And he's been dealing with, you know, injuries and he's getting up there in age. Like it, it'd be hard to ask him to night in and night out be a guy that draws the primary assignment. Um, so that you need Thibel and 
I, I don't know. You're just right now, it's, it's just kind of a flawed proposition because he's not doing everything you need him to do on a basketball court. Um, for me, for me, what it's become is that Matisse is a guy coming into the year I was so high on, and I was kind of loath to include him in these trade packages. Yeah. And and now my, my I don't know, my, my stock, my Thibault stock has dropped in my mind, and I'm kind of okay. Like if a Ben Simmons deal was to materialize where there, there was a, a, a real difference maker they could get in return, but the, the thing that would make the deal happen or not was Matisse Seibel being included, I really wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, if there is such a thing as Matisse Thibel Island, I'm definitely a um, <laughs> I'm definitely a founding builder of the island. But right now, if there was like a cruise ship that <laughs> was docked at the island, I might not be immediately on the boat, but I'm at least in line looking up ticket prices. You you've you've bought a refundable ticket. Yes, we're, we're, you're ready to go, but my bags are packed. In case just, you change your mind, you can yeah. still get your full refund to stay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it's, that's, it's tough. That's like, where I am with Thibel, and it sucks because yeah. it's, it's tough. Because, like you said, he's the team's best perimeter defender, and I I love the kid and his energy, his personality, what he brings to the team, and I do enjoy that, but that stuff doesn't really help on the floor so much unless he has some kind of offensive evolution that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's, and it's tough because we, you know, we all love Matisse and we, you know, he made second team all defense as a guy that averaged 20 minutes a game. Like that's historically that doesn't happen. So Uh like defensively, he's obviously this, premier difference maker so it's it's a tough situation um yeah we'll see how his offensive game if it, if it does progress at all throughout the season but uh right now they just need to i guess keep doing what they're doing and have him play 24 25 minutes a night and just hope that his defense makes up for the fact that he's not really contributing much offensively um I, let's I talk about yeah I, I i maintain hope yes uh well i think you have to you, you gotta trust <laughs> That's, that's what we've been uh, taught over the years. You, you just have uh-huh. to trust it. So <clears throat> let's talk about another young guy that the Sixers have. Tyrese Maxey, uh, pretty public discussions about how he's struggled since Joel Embiid has returned from his COVID absence. So not, not the Tyrese Maxey of three weeks ago where he was taking the league by storm and, and getting like potential all-star buzz, but 11 points, four of 10 shooting, five assists tonight. There were at least flashes. I, th- I think we got back to, to seeing the Maxi we'd seen a few weeks ago. What did you think of Maxi's performance tonight? Maxi's performance over the last couple of games since Joel has been back, I think one word kind of should encompass that, and that's respect. I feel like to some extent, Tyrese Maxi does have the respect of opponents. Like you have to game plan for him a little bit. It's not like before where it's, oh, it's Ben Simmons. You can just just use his guy to double up Joel. We'll be fine. No, like Tyrese Maxey is somebody that is aggressive. He'll go to the rim if you try to 
run him off the three-point line. He can blow by a lot of guys and have those finishing floaters and runners and everything else. And then also, yeah, he doesn't have a high three-point percentage, but damn it, he at least tries to put him up. You know what I mean? And like just that angle is has been a different little piece addition to this offense. It's something that teams haven't had the game plan before because the starting point guard of the Philadelphia 76ers before then just would not shoot at all, period. Maxi will shoot. If he makes it, if ever there were several times tonight where Maxi was open, semi-open, but he just said, you know what? F it. We'll just throw it up. We'll just see what it what happens because I am confident in my jump shot and I feel like I should be able to hit this. Right? Simmons never even tried. And that's just a huge strain on your half-court offense because you're basically playing four on five. And we've said that for several years now. But respect is the word I would use for Massey because I don't think – I think opposing defenses are taking him more and more seriously as the season goes on. I don't know if you see that too, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they have to. He was – in the running for like player of the month for November. Yeah. That's, you know, Kevin Durant ended up winning it, but you're in the conversation with Kevin Durant. Like I think the opposition should take you seriously. It's uh, he, he, you're right. He, he has been willing as a three point shooter. It wasn't something we really saw tonight, which kind of concerned me a little bit. He only attempted one, three. And there, there were definitely a couple moments where, I felt like, oh, a couple of weeks ago, he might have taken that shot and he kind of passed it up tonight. But I thought him and Joel had a really good two-man game working. There were some plays where um, they, they were working it out, out high and they ran a high pick and roll and Joel would get it. And then he would let Tyrese reset, pass it back out to Tyrese and he would flip his pick and run it again. Yeah. They, they were really working to accommodate each other, I thought. And Tyrese got a really a, a few drives to the rim that were a product of that that two man game. Um, yeah, and I, I I definitely think he's trying to do uh, the 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 hour Curry thing, the the better Curry, uh, where he's really trying to fit in with those dribble handoffs. I think he's really starting to kind of get the hang of it a little bit more and you're you're like seeing it like they're using dhos with maxi and Embiid at times and like that's just it's something to consider going forward and just really keep working that into the offense yeah for sure it's it's not the same as curry who is this you know historically great shooter but the fact that maxi has the speed where all he needs is a a half step on anyone and with yeah and then he's gone so it's a different dynamic for defenses to have to consider and uh obviously it's really difficult for them to cover when they have to worry about Joel Embiid you know one of the best players in the league and I'm sure both defenders have a- at least one eye on him and then suddenly Tyrese Maxey streaking past them at 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. that's it's got to be a tough assignment um so yeah so Maxey you know, not not his best game of the year by any stretch, but I, I thought there were some good moments from him. Uh, George Niang, Danny Green hit hit some big shots tonight, and uh, Seth had the the really good start. Uh, cooled off a bit after that, but 
still did did enough to to contribute tonight. But I think Joel Embiid ha- was the story. If if he can continue this sort of play, this the Sixers are back where you feel like they have a chance any at any given night. And I didn't feel like that the last couple of games because he wasn't playing to the caliber that he normally that he normally does. Um, that that play later in the game where Capella almost stole it from him along yeah. along the sideline. Embiid happened to recover it, and then he he drove at Capella and then spun for that that baseline fadeaway that he does, and <sighs> sunk it. And just that is just Joel Embiid, just, just masterful work. Yes, he got a little pissed off because he almost lost the ball. Decided there's no possible way this guy is stopping me from scoring, and went to <laughs> an impossible to defend shot and 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 swished it like the there's absolutely nothing a defender could have done in that situation. And that's a shot that that was a culmination of Joel Embiid every off season saying, I'm going to add this part to my game. And he did it. And now he just has it in his bag whenever he needs it. So that, that to me was the epitome of a superstar, just, and a guy who went out and scored 28, grabbed 12 rebounds, four assists, constantly having to work out at double teams and played a great defensive game. Just everything the Sixers needed from him tonight, they got. Doing all of this while recovering from, from COVID. That's, that's ridiculous. Double overtime against Minnesota, Boston, and then this game. Just throwing it all out. Just his, Joel's guts all over the floor in Atlanta right now. Yeah, he, I mean hopefully that he he doesn't have the you know any lingering effects from the COVID situation but that this was a guy that was out for nine games I believe uh so he wasn't able to participate in basketball activities for a few weeks like and for a guy who you know cardio has historically not been his his strong (laughs) suit uh so a couple week layoff you would think that could hurt him but he's been nice about it (laughs) well he to his credit i mean he has improved in that area a lot so i don't don't want to disparage him too much yes but yeah that that could certainly that that long layoff could certainly be something that would hurt him but he's been logging really he's been logging big minute totals it hasn't always been great instances return and i i think even early even tonight where we're kind of you know giving him his flowers he was still <laughs> every every jumper early in the game was was front rim so is that it looked yeah. like is it this is a case of him not having his legs uh you know i always wonder is the knee bothering him um but he he eventually worked himself out of it and he still looks too gassed going into the fourth quarters of games like it's just uh too much of it is not great but at the same time it's <laughs> somehow the Sixers still somehow win these games yeah they and you know this is a game i think they don't often win uh but they they did happen to win it tonight and it took a historically great defensive quarter in the fourth to do it holding the hawks to nine points and um yeah hopefully this is something the team can build on going forward I, it's it's hard to remember that, that you know the Sixers the Sixers are now two and zero against Atlanta this year. It's hard to remember a time when the Sixers weren't able to beat the Hawks, right? Adio? Oh my God! How <laughs> how how the hell did we lose to this team in a seven game series? 
when we uh, had home court. How the hell did we lose that series? Oh, wait, wait, I I know how. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> they're up twenty six. <laughs> oh um, god! But at, at least they got the win tonight, ninety eight, ninety six. Now we a Falcon Super Bowl all over again. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe maybe the Atlanta That's sports what fans. That's had, what it is. They yeah. had banked so much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. Like they they were due so much for for their sports teams, uh, you know, flops and failures over the years that the Hawks were due to have something happen, and then the Braves went and uh, you know won the World Series. So yeah, I don't know they, what voodoo shaman they got <laughs> for the entire city of Atlanta for their sports teams, but can we have that guy come up I ninety five or whatever? I, I think I think Nick Foles uh, <laughs> might have dispelled some of that. I don't know. So we'll we'll see if uh, you know the Sixers can build build and I, I think it we can't take them seriously as contenders again until we see what happens with the ben simmons situation yeah but for now a a good win on the road against a team that had won eight of their last nine i'll take it we this is definitely a a night and uh, a day to come to feel good about sixers basketball and we haven't had a whole lot of those lately so let's just enjoy it Uh, agreed i I (laughs) won't say another word just good gutsy win let's just keep it rolling okay let's just keep going here Agreed. The, the Suns the sons have won, what, 18 in a row? Can we <laughs> win two? How about two in a row? How about that? Probably not too much to ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. And after we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the situation in Portland. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Um The news out of Portland earlier today was that Neil O'Shea is no longer the team's general manager. There's been uh, a lot of rumors, discussion about the Portland situation. They had another executive step down a week or so ago. Now O'Shea is finally out of there after about a decade with the team. Um, Jason Quick of The Athletic had an article today about the Chauncey Billups coaching fit and how his style of being very uh, disciplined about what he wants his guys to do on the court rather than the free-flowing Terry Stotts era. That that has been a tough transition for a lot of the players. It's just not a lot of good vibes in Portland right now. And we're going to talk about this, of course, because this has been the number one pipe dream, dream trade target for Sixers fans, Damian Lillard, Um in a a possible return in a Ben Simmons trade, but also uh, CJ McCollum is a guy who's been on the radar of Sixers fans. Uh, CJ was a, well, maybe if they absolutely had the trade, Ben, he he could be a guy that uh, the team looks at with as part of a bigger package in return, or, you know, a CJ for Tobias Harris swap is something that's been, you know, mentioned in some Sixers circles. 
Adeo, I, w- I wanted to ask you, what did you think about uh, the, o- the O'Shea uh, news today? And I guess your just general thoughts about, about Portland as a potential trade partner. I thought it was... I thought it was interesting, and I read a piece on Philly Voice written by our good friend Kyle Newbeck, Um, and this is just an excerpt. Uh, For years, people close to the situation have suggested that Olshay let that dynamic, CJ and uh, Dame Lillard, blind him as the Blazers tried to make the leap from consistent playoff team to actual contender. I thought that was an interesting sentence for this reason. How many years have we been saying that for the Blazers to kind of ascend, they have to break that up because it's two guards that really don't play defense, number one. Number two, I feel like they both kind of need the ball in order to really uh, be effective. Dame, maybe not so much because he's like a legit knockdown shooter, but at the same time, you want Dame to be able to take those one-on-one matchups. So CJ, probably more of a like spot-up three-point guy. But that dynamic, and I've agreed with this for years, if Dame had somebody like, oh, I don't know, someone what Norman Powell has been this season as a, as a backcourt mate, I think that would be much better to build around because there isn't quite that there's at least more of a difference between the two backcourt players if the Sixers were to throw Simmons for McCollum I think number one that helps Portland's defense immensely Norman Powell is a great on-ball defender but he can't defend one through five like Simmons can so that helps them against like the uh phoenix suns and the golden state warriors of the world because then you can say all right so we got one person for steph and we got one person for clay thompson and then we'll just let uh andrew wiggins just go off because i i don't think andrew wiggins is going to beat anybody by himself uh for the sixers they would get you know cj mccollum somebody that can really create his own shot at times when he has to. And then somebody that's a legitimate scorer. And then also depending on the filler, maybe they get Robert Covington back in a Sixers Jersey. Maybe they get some other pieces. Like I would love it if this was like a few years ago and maybe we could get CJ and like Anthony Simons, but that's not going to happen. So if it's CJ and Rocco, which is my favorite trade, CJ and Rocco for Simmons, I do that right now. Yeah, that C, the the CJ Covington one was the my answer earlier about what's the worst package you would take. Yeah, if you if you absolutely had to, um, just because I do think CJ could help a lot of the team's offensive creation issues. I'm I'm not sure that it would be helpful in the playoffs as much as people might think because yeah. we saw how Seth Curry was as as great as he played in the Atlanta series like him and Joel were literally the only two guys that made a field goal in one half <laughs> and and Seth God. was amazing offensively but he's still a guy that can get singled out defensively and we saw Kevin Herter just go to town and that was yeah. you know there were 10 10 other factors that were probably more uh 
high on the list that were higher on the list of why the Sixers lost that series. But the fact that Seth was a bit of a defensive liability and got hurt by the bigger wings that the Hawks have, that, that was a reason. Um, it was very far down the list, but it was a reason. Uh, so I, I don't think adding another 6-3 guard that can not play defense. Um, and I think McCollum's not even as good a defender as Seth is. Because <laughs> Seth is at least a guy that gives effort on that end and knows how to run defensive schemes and everything. He's just, his frame doesn't lend itself to being a, a above average defender. Um, I, I don't, I think that would be, that would represent its own difficulty in playoff situations where teams can scheme for that. And they really will attack uh, mismatches like that time and again. I just like that CJ and Roko trade because uh, let me let me throw this starting let me just throw this five out at you and just like they I wouldn't suggest that they run this like all the time but this would be an amazing small ball lineup Roko at the five Tobias CJ McCollum Seth Curry and Maxi uh good luck y'all. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, it'd be a lot of fun. And like I said, I, I do think, like I said, that would be my the worst package I would take. And I I like I love the idea of Covington back at Philadelphia. Obviously, like restore the process vibes and his. Give me an excuse to wear my Covington jersey. <laughs> I don't think you need one, really. I, True. <laughs> I, just uh, yeah, let, let let you can you can just wear that with pride. I don't think you have to oh, worry right, about cool. anything. Um, but yeah, Covington's game has tailed off a bit in the last year or so, but I, th- I still think he would bring a lot of value as an off ball defender. Um, and he would help fill the, the void that Simmons departure or, or current absence has, has left where he's not the on ball defender that Simmons is, yeah. uh, but he is the off ball kind of havoc guy that, that Simmons, that Simmons did provide as well. So Covington would provide that for the team. Um, But I, I I just, I just, I I don't think the CJ Seth thing would work in the playoffs. Um, And if you're talking about Seth being one of your five best players, you want him on the the court in crunch time. Now you're adding a second guy that there's just too much overlap for me, but yeah. O'Shea getting with O'Shea getting fired. Like I think that, Honestly, unless he flat out says, I want out of here, I don't think Dame Lillard is getting traded because I think the new general manager coming in is going to bend over backwards to do what he can to create what Dame needs, right? I think he'll at least give that a shot first. So maybe not this season, possibly not even this off season, depending on what that new general manager does with the next free agency. If I'm a Sixers fan hoping to acquire Damian Lillard, I'm in personally of the mindset where I'm not waiting for this upcoming trade deadline. I'm looking to see what happens at the next trade deadline to see what this general manager, whoever it is, puts together his vision of what Dame needs around him. That's a good point. Like a lot of people are framing this as, oh, there's dysfunction, there's chaos right now in Portland. Uh, that that could mean Dame's that Dame's probably more available. When, as you just said, perhaps this means they bring in a new GM 
this gives Dame, who clearly wants to stay in Portland. He likes it there. He likes the fact that it, he's the guy. He likes the area, likes living there. That's where his family is. Uh, so he, he wants to be provided reasons where logically he should remain there. So a new GM comes in and says, like, listen, I know things didn't work out here in the past, maybe to your liking as far as you being on a contending team, but give me a chance. Right. I, I just got here. You got to at least give me an off season. Come on. Like, yeah. see what I can do in an off season with a draft, with bringing in free agents next summer. So suddenly Dame could be less available because he's got this new partnership in the front office and he wants to give them the benefit of the doubt and see what they can do into 2022 and, and beyond even. Especially so, if Dame has throwing in his own input to who he wants as general manager, which right. if you're somebody like Dame Lillard, yeah, you have that kind of pull to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure they're at least having the conversation with them about who they're interested in. The, the weird thing is that based on reports, Chauncey Billups has kind of significant input in who the general manager is. And I, I don't know. I just don't understand the Portland infatuation with like <laughs> handing as much of the power structure as they seem to have handed to Chauncey Billups. Who... Well, if, well, if the, if the, the, the new general manager's first move is probably going to want to be firing Chauncey Billups. If Dame doesn't uh, agree with his style of coaching. Yeah. So we will see how that shakes out. Um, before we end that, that discussion what so we talked about cj for simmons what do you think about a cj for tobias framework this is getting a lot of buzz and uh talk in our slack channel and then as well on like sixes twitter amongst our colleagues tobias being moved i don't think anybody really thought about that until this season and the more i'm thinking about it the more i'm just like okay maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Like I'm not out here saying like somebody's did on Twitter, like Tobias for Kyrie Irving. I'm like, no, hell no. Do not. No, just stop right there. <laughs> say, if you say Kyrie Irving to me in a Sixers Jersey, I'm just walking away from you. Um, but exploring Tobias for CJ McCollum. Sure. I'd be open to that. I mean, it would, <laughs> it would definitely suck because it just means that like, you know, Tobias thought he might have had a home here in Philly with the uh, commitment that the team made to him. But at the same time, it's the NBA, it's a business. And if the Sixers and Daryl Morey believe that they can have a better shot at a championship with C.J. McCollum versus Tobias Harris, sure. Also, I believe C.J.'s contract is shorter. So if it doesn't work out right away, then they can just like kind of retool on the fly, so to speak versus Tobias where you're really, really waiting for it. Yeah, the, the cap situation is definitely more favorable with McCollum. Um I don't I don't from a from the Blazers, I see why they could be interested in something like that. The the stuff out of Portland right now is Billups talking about like listen, I've I've th- I'm starting three six three or shorter guards who don't really play a lot of defense. Like I need more size. I need more uh, d- like defensive length and everything. Like that's, that's been his main message to the media. Um, so Tobias 
being swapped for CJ would certainly help with your size. And, uh, you, you know, he does provide more length and everything else than, than having the smaller guard would. And then you could start Lillard and Powell at the one and two. That's a more natural fit. Um, so I think from a basketball standpoint, it could definitely help them. The cap thing is just like Tobias is one of the worst, it's, it's, like it's one of the worst contracts it's in the abhor, league. It's Jesus. So CJ, meanwhile, as you said, it's shorter. I think CJ is a much more valued commodity as a basketball player. It, it's it, He's not a great fit in Portland because they have too much of an overlap with Lillard, as everybody's talked about for the last half, half decade. Now they have Powell as well. But I think there's more teams in the league that would like the primary on-ball creator that, uh, that CJ McCollum is more so than Tobias, who is the stretch four that sometimes doesn't really want to shoot threes and yep. is not quick enough to beat Al Horford off the dribble with the game on the line. Uh, he's very good at bullying his way against smaller defenders when he has those kind of matchups. And he's a pretty stout guy physically on the defensive end. And he's a, he's a above average rebounder. Like there are things he does bring to the table that he's a good player, but th- there are definitely holes in his game that uh, I don't, I don't think teams would, be as willing to take him on even in a vacuum as they would CJ and then throw the contract situation into it. Um, And it's obviously CJ is the much more valuable asset. So all my misgivings about bringing CJ into the fold that I mentioned earlier, because I think him and Seth just can't coexist in a playoff environment as part of a crunch time five. um, They they're still there, but I think getting off Tobias in that contract and getting a valuable asset, like CJ where, okay, in the short term, see, see how it does work. Maybe I'm wrong and it works out better than I think. And adding that, that on ball creator just opens up so much for everybody else on the roster. Yeah, sure. See how that goes in the short term. And in the long term, you're set up much better as, as a franchise given, you know, the cap situation and, and everything else. So, right. I would be, I'd be inclined to do it from that perspective, even if short term, I don't know from the basketball standpoint of the Sixers roster, how much better they would be with CJ over Tobias, because what are we starting George Niang then and kind of doing what we saw tonight where you just have Thibault and a bunch of wings as your backup for it. It's hard to say, but I, I think ultimately it's going to be Simmons. That's going to be the domino that falls before Tobias Harris, like talking about Tobias Harris and moving that contract is it's fun. It's interesting, but uh, any and all trade talk is going to, be everybody waiting for that Simmons domino to fall and seeing what the Sixers get back for Simmons and if it's something where it looks decent and it even maybe helps elevate Tobias's game a little bit then maybe you hold off on that I agree that's the much more likely scenario as you just said Um, but people are talking about the Tobias thing so I thought it at least had to be had to be brought up and, and discussed here so I mean, if, if Oklahoma City is willing to do uh, Tobias for SGA, I'll do that right now. <laughs> so, oh, poison man. pill contract be damned. I don't care. Yeah, as 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 if we're talking pipe dreams, that is the uh, the longest of them, I would think. Come on, um, come on, Sam. What are you doing with SGA, Sam Presti? 
What what are you doing with Shea Gilders Alexander? What are you, you doing are, with that? You guy? Already, Nothing. You're, you you're not already, doing a damn thing with him. You you're already sitting out there and you're letting the little guy get blown out by 70 points. That's what you're doing. You can't do that to the young you can't do that to the youngster. You already said at age 23 that he's too old for your window of contention. So <laughs> which is you're literally ridiculous. starting a guy that's 20, that just got the ability to drink not even a month ago. Okay. So listen, we will you want Maxi? Go redhead. He's all yours. Here's Tobias's contract. Make the numbers work. F it. Let's roll. Let's just do it. <laughs> uh, yep, that's I think that's definitely something Sixers fans would do. So on that note, we'll end there. Great win tonight for the Philadelphia 76ers. They're back above 500. They're 2-0 and against the Hawks this season. I don't, as I said earlier, I can't even remember when this team did not beat Atlanta. It seems like they really have their number. Um, but good win tonight. Held them the nine points in the fourth quarter. So I think everybody out there should uh, just go into the weekend with uh, positive vibes about the Sixers team once again. Adio, thank you for joining me. Also, just a little PSA. I do it on my podcast, or I might as well spread the love a little bit. Um, We got that Unicron or Omicron variant going on or whatever. If you're not vaccinated, please go get vaccinated. If you have both of your shots, grab your booster. It's available to everybody. Uh, Phila.gov. I got my booster shot at a library on 52nd and Walnut Street. They offer it every Friday from one to four. You walk in, they hook you up. Everything's done. You're solid to go for the weekend. There you go. Don't don't be like Ben Simmons. Take the shot. Take the um, shot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All this, right. is love, this is why I enjoy our talk. Show. Yes. All right, Adio. Um, always a pleasure to have you on. And I appreciate you joining. And where else can we find your stuff? I know we can find it at Liberty Ball or what? Just throw out your Twitter handle. Where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on Twitter at Adio B Royster. That's A D is in Delta, I O B is in Boy, R O Y S T E R. And check out the Out of Sight podcast every Tuesday on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, a network where you can find a bevy of fine Vox Media podcasts. <laughs> we are we are proudly paid by Vox Media, yes. Very um, proudly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Adio. Good win, Philadelphia. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you next week. Take care.